and welcome to episode 140 of Relative Or. I am your host, Grybok, and joining me this fine morning are our hosts, uh, Evie, Kate, and Rabin. Uh, how are you doing this morning, Kate? Hello. I awoke, and I'm awake, and I had a wine glass of juice, and I shushed the bird. I'm totally imagining you like a like a squirrel right now. Uh, it's probably because you're on a computer name that has squirrel in its name, but just like trying trying to wake up desperately, cramming down my my hole in the tree and going shh birds. Yeah, and then cramming down and like sugar until you until you like wake up and get hyper. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, how about yourself this morning, Evie? How are you doing? I have had the breakfast of champions of Doritos and Hot Pockets, so I am pretty good. Oh my lord. <laughs> College. Uh, yeah, jeez. I had a granola bar. Yeah. Um, Robin, how are you doing this morning? Man, that idea of Doritos and Hot Pockets makes me shudder more than that cicada conversation we had previously. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah that hurts me. Cicada noises. That was my morning. Yeah. I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Oh man, if we do like a new uh <laughs> if we do a new segment name for our all of our Heart of Thorns news, we should totally put cicada noises in it. We yes. should. I bet Mordermoth, you know, has corrupted cicadas and it's gonna be like a whale of doom. It would be, be an awesome like a, boss move. <laughs> cicada sounds like a plant dragon STD. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dragon crabs. Like Oh my god. Oh, I heard he's got the cicadas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, oh man. Anyway, uh, let's move right into Patch Adams. They're squirrels. They're one of the most amiable creatures on the planet. Oh no, they're not. On the list of hostile predators, they're right above the bottom, just above baby chicks and slugs. What could they possibly want? Your nuts? <coughs> okay, so there is the balance patch, the aforementioned might nerf, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who? Even you want wanted- anyone? Uh, no, not to me. No. The biggest thing for min-maxers now with this change is because of the way uh, effective power works and all this whatnot, for most classes, the optimal like armor set, accessories, whatnot, used to be a mix of Zerker and Assassins. Now it's just straight Zerker. <laughs> Pretty much across the board, for the most part. So it makes gearing, uh, at least at that min-max level, a bit easier. I think, uh, I was hearing some people complain about how Sinister, which was already not an amazing set, took another hit, just because being a split between Condition and Might gets, like, double hit by the Might nerf, or, I mean, Condition and Power gets a double hit by the Might might nerf. I don't know how true that is. Well, the thing is, if you're running Condition build, this will technically nerf you more than if you were not running a Condition build. But it still nerfs everyone that pretty much the same way. Because might affects your condition damage as well. Yeah. Right. Um, as far as like hard numbers in most like super organized groups where you're going to be seeing a lot of might all the time, it's about a th- two three percent damage nerf just across the board. Mm, okay. So, uh, what else was patched in in this patch? Uh, was there other was there other balance stuff? Um. Just a few skills here and there, a lot of quality of life stuff, uh, aftercast fixes, nothing that is really out of this world. Um, the only thing that kind of stuck out to me 
was they buffed the thief uh, crit leeching trait, and they made blending powder like not interrupt things, which is really nice. That's again a quality of life thing. Okay, so there's a big sale in the gem store going on. Uh, <clears throat> Kate, do you want to talk about that big sale in the gem store going on? Yeah, I'm looking at the promotions tab, and everything is on... Not everything, but there's, like... <laughs> I can scroll for days. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's back that's temporary, like the fused molten uh, tools. That's what they're called. Um, and the watch with mining pick, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, is it back? I thought I saw it in there. Cool. Um, there's a lot of, like, bundles on sale right now that they've brought back from various times that they had bundles like, which by the way, if you're new to the game or you've never really looked at the gem store and you're considering buying a bundle, they're almost never worth it. So please add up your, the cost of what's inside it and spend your gems responsibly. I would feel bad if you bought those and they were not what you wanted. They did not live up to your expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um... I want to give a special shout out to uh, Belinda's greatsword. I think I think all of us necros that are interested in that type of a greatsword for our necromancers are now looking at buying that. Yes, um, all of the I think now all of them. They've been slowly rolling them out day by day. I think now all of the uh, Biconics weapon sets are out and they're twenty five percent off. Um, there's a minis. Mini Mini Belinda, Mini Sand Giant, Mini Morgum Leecher, Mini Scruffy, uh, Mini Chickenado, and uh, a lot of the basic nodes for your home instances are also on sale 25% off. So there's a lot of stuff. I don't know when the sale ends. There's not a countdown yet, so presumably it lasts for a while. Um, and so I just checked. The Watchwork Mining Pick is not there, but if it shows up, you guys should buy it if you're looking for an infinite mining tool because that gives you sprockets and they're worth gold. Yeah, that's a good pro tip. Uh, as well, I see apparently there was an SPVP spectating was updated with transitions. Evie, do you know what that's about? Um, it's just a thing for shoutcasters more than anything else. It lets like whenever you change views, it doesn't just like boom anymore. So it's nice. I mean, it's not the most amazing thing in the world, but it's not like you know sliced bread, but it's nice. Okay. Was there anything else anybody wanted to talk about regarding the actual patch that happened? Okay. I don't think so. It wasn't much of a patch, was it? No. Not mm. not too much. Yeah. I think most of our time this week is going to be dedicated to our new name pending segment relating to Heart of Thorns news. Tentatively is being called Bramble Patch, but we also kind of <laughs> want to steer away from that because it shares the name Patch with Patch Adams, and also it's not actually a patch. As and you never know, we could get a segment that's the Patch Patch or the Patch and the Patch, or I don't know. Oh God, no! We don't have another. <laughs> we don't need another one that only Spirit can say. So this week we've had a ton of a ton of communication from ArenaNet through a huge variety of sources, and it's felt a lot like pre-release where. Mm-hmm. They had their press release, and then all of the outlets got slightly different answers, which each revealed something slightly different to them. So it's been really hard to stay on top of, both for fans and for us. So this is going to be a little bit scattered. 
We do know that there's going to be a playable demo at PAX East, but that's not really news from this week. Um, uh, anybody want to? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know where it's from, but they basically confirmed that for the precursors, each account will be able to get the precursor once, or each precursor once. So you're not going to get two sparks or two dawns or whatever using the new system that they're putting in place. Right, so everybody will be able to get every precursor if they so desire to put in the time, but only once each, which is pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. And if also, you get two collections, it's also account-bound, isn't it? I don't think I, that's been confirmed yet. I it's don't, confirmed? Okay. I don't think it's been confirmed. It would not surprise me in the least. I believe everything you get from collections is account-bound, so... It would really surprise me if it wasn't. Yeah. It would also kind of suck... I mean, I don't know. It would be a conscious decision, obviously, but I think the idea is that they don't want you to be able to get rid of that because if you can only get it once, I don't know. I think it's fair to assume that it'll be account-bound. Yeah. Also, apparently, they're going to be completely redoing the trait unlocking system in Heart of Thorns, which excites me greatly. I I actually have a feeling that they're just going to really overhaul the trait system just in general and artifacts. I feel like that saying. would be the time to do it. Because, like, so. with specializations and whatnot, and, like, are we going to keep the traits when we specialize? Are we going to just get one trait line? Is it going to replace one trait line? Is it going to place more than trait lines? Is it going to change different traits? Is because, I mean, yeah, I think we're just going to see a trait overhaul. I think that would be nice. I think it's. I think it's been due for a while. Um, it also definitely makes me not want to start a new character right now, knowing that sometime, hopefully this year, the trait line system will be fixed, because I just don't really mm-hmm. have any interest in doing that. That's literally why I don't play my engineer. I have, like, a level almost 30 engineer that I don't play because it doesn't have traits, and I don't want to go out and do all that crap to get them. Yep. So that's good news. I don't. Yeah. Again, we don't remember exactly where that came from. Apparently, speaking of specializations, it is confirmed that there will only be one specialization per profession at the launch of Heart of Thorns. No, no news or anything on future specializations other than that they want to be able to build upon that system. Anybody have any thoughts on that? Is there? I I know that a lot of you guys were kind of hoping that we would have more than more than one apiece for that aspect of feeling like you had to actually choose something. Yes, well, it's, it's, <clears throat> yeah, go ahead, Spirit. It's disappointing to me to not have more than one specialization, but I can see why they wouldn't want to, especially if specializations change the profession as much as they're claiming. And I think that was one thing that I I noticed more this week, is they, they did really emphasize that, you know, the Druid isn't going to be the same as the ranger. It's not just the ranger plus the druid. So already, um, if they are differentiating it to that degree, then that is your choice, ranger or druid, whether you want to go down those different paths. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm hopeful that, that they do differentiate it that much, that I will want to choose between them instead of um... Oh, the druid is more powerful because it's just a straight progression path. Right, or because the... Not because it's a straight progression. Well, I guess it is if there's no choice, but 
it just seems like the ranger plus some more skills, but if it's replacing replacing traits, um, they said it's not going to replace skills or weapons, so you're just going to get like another weapon that you can use, you're going to get another heal skill, you're going to get more utilities, and you're going to get a new elite for being a druid. Um, despite the fact that you don't have those skills as a ranger, you might have access to traits or mechanics that work a different way. So I did they say anything? It doesn't necessarily either... feel like a straight, uh, fair trade-off, but I mean, at least there is some decision making in there. Did they say anything about class mechanics changing, like the F the F skills? Uh, I've been that's the way I've understood it, and I think maybe that's come from people Howard that are discussing it more than what I've read because I I'm, I couldn't tell you where I read that. <laughs> Uh, but there's a lot of things in the show notes this week I couldn't tell you where I read. I tried to put the links next to them before I forgot. Um, but yeah, that's that's my understanding of how specializations, or like what makes the druid different than the ranger is because their profession mechanic works in a different way. Yeah, so it, if that is the case, that could be its own reason why you would want to per- perhaps stay a, a ranger instead of becoming a druid or vice versa. Right. But with that said, I'm pretty sure that they're giving the feeling, at least right now, and again, you know, we don't know, I don't remember where I read this, um, you can always go back. You know, Once you've made your druid, mm-hmm. you can switch at any time, which is, which is good. Yeah. I mean, you can't imagine them locking you in somewhere, but you get to choose. And that is kind of cool. That way, you've got um, now one of your favorite characters, if you know, let's say Ranger's your favorite class, um, can do two things. You don't have to make a new character with a new character slot just for the druid. It's nice that they're doubling it up for us. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. the exact quote is like, you can be a druid today and a ranger tomorrow, so something like that. Yeah, somewhere I can't. I, it's somewhere in the show notes. There's sources to all these articles in the show notes, by the way. If you want to parse through this yourself, but um, somewhere someone said that you can swap specializations out of battle just as easily as traits. So, what well, I they still haven't mentioned anything about unlocking them, and I'm still a little bit hesitant. But it's it may gonna just be happen that they in the jungle. That's all we've well, yeah. so far. Do we even know that? Yes, that special that I mean, Colin we know that masteries that. are going to be jungle based. Colin said that the specialized the specializations will be unlocked in the new areas. Oh, see, even I missed that one, and I've read these stupid show notes. And didn't they say something about specializations being unlocked in the areas that we already have in classic Guild Wars too? No. Uh, oh. masteries. There's masteries, a, one of the things that came out was that masteries will have two separate trait lines. So there'll be a Masteries for the Jungle and a Masteries for the Core area. Um, they'll be different, obviously, but there there might be some overlap, I think I remember reading. <laughs> so, yeah, like things like, oh, that was another thing that was confirmed, was things like um, gliders will not be accessible outside of the jungle, for obvious reasons. Yeah, I can understand that. I think it's... I think it's clear that they're trying to build a lot of systems that they can expand upon, similar to the mm-hmm. World v. World World XP system, where they can add more world masteries or world whatever those are called uh, through time. I think that they're they're definitely trying to keep that in mind for future content for what the stuff that they're introducing in Heart of Thorns. So that's that in itself is kind of exciting for me that they're really giving a good a good look at end game progression for more than just this upcoming release. Yeah, I like a lot of the um a lot of the systems seem like they they and they talk about them being foundations, but they seem very much um 
yeah, foundations for things that they can kind of add piecemeal. And I'm I'm hopeful that introducing these systems in an expansion will allow things like, hey, the living story took a turn into the desert. We're going to a new zone. Here's some new masteries that you can use to get around the new zone or learn about things in the new zone. So I'm hoping that like um, the mastery system specializations uh, stuff like that is a lot more conducive to adding piecemeal through the living story, how they kind of originally wanted the living story to be able to just to um, release expansion type content. Yeah, that's exactly the type of thing that I was thinking with the fact that we got two full maps released during the past season of living story. If they had the mastery system out, it would have been even cooler to have masteries that we could be working for towards this whole time. Because I know I've spent a ton of time in Silver Waste already. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And I don't even know if this is masteries, but I think it'd be really cool. And I may have said this to one of you guys before, but I don't think I've said it on the show. If because we and we get new currencies every time we get a new map. We've seen that with uh, Silver Waste and with uh, Dry Top. If, you know, completing achievements, map achievements, or whatever, could give us a bag to hold these currencies, that would just be awesome to me. <laughs> that would be cool. I think that the currency system is something that they're going to have to take a look at sooner rather than later, because yeah. similar to what happened with the wallet, where we just were yeah. overflowing with currencies, they're... And yeah, they, if we it, get a currency for every bad. new map, which is, is that becoming a theme? That Yeah, it would be it'd just be out of control. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Ho- I would hope... That if there's a new currency in the expansion, that it would be the new currency for the expansion. So, you know, uh, just one new currency, not X new currencies, where X is the number of maps that we're getting. Or put them in the wallet. Oh. Well, sure. I mean, yeah. But if but this is assuming that we don't get some sort of wallet overhaul in the meantime. Speaking of new currencies, though, I did want to say, I don't believe I mentioned it in the last episode... Since we had confirmed precursor crafting, I know a lot of us in Twit Guild have been redoubling our efforts to get prepared to make new legendaries, so as in gathering all the parts that aren't the precursors, and I blew through a ton of obsidian getting my Mystic Clovers, which I did get, but the Silver Waste is a great way to get obsidian. Yeah, and Ectos, but like, the number well, yeah, of de- yeah. you get in that zone are crazy. Yeah, I like I I had I think I had 350 or 400 ecto. I've never had that much ecto before and I didn't even notice. It was just that I've gotten so many rares from that zone that I salvaged and just deposited and then I went back to my bank and I didn't it was the first time this is uh, this is my fourth set of mystic clovers I'll be making and it's the first time I haven't had to buy ecto in order to finish out the mystic clovers and I still had, you know, 150 left or whatever at the end. So it's pretty it's pretty great, but yeah, the ability to trade in one stack of badges for five obsidian is, I think, an extremely generous exchange rate, considering how fast you can get those stupid badges. And also yeah. you get karma, so you get to double down and spend your karma on them. Pretty great. Yeah, and I've been getting those Ectos too, because what you're guaranteed, what, four or five, probably three rares guaranteed when you do um, Breach and Vinewrath? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends on how well you did. Yeah, I think, it, well, the minimum is like two or three, because you always get one of those rare gear boxes. But anyway, um, I would recommend, if you're trying to increase your luck, um, salvaging some of those. I salvaged 100 Ectos, and that came out to about 16,000 uh, luck for me. Wow. I which think is 
two points when you're at 140 some percent. But if you're below 100, that's going to give you a lot of increase in your luck. And that also helps you find rares. That's true. That's true. My magic find has been going up somewhat decently. I've gotten to the point, though, where I'm starting to just sell blues and greens again instead of salvage them on, on reflex. But Yeah, I hit that point a while ago. Because I was just like, oh, 150% magic find, eh, it's not worth it anymore. 150? You're above me then. I'm at about 125. Uh, I guess there was some news from the after party that it is confirmed that there are not going to be pole arms. Or spears on land or anything of that sort. And the art department was warned, is that? Yeah, Yeah, I thought that was funny. I thought so too. Go ahead and talk about that a little bit. So it looks like Colin said to someone during the after party that they uh, told the art department, you know, these look like pole arms, but they're not. So we might have to deal with that, which I think it's funny, you know, because, hey, if it looks like a spear, people are going to want spears. And there was obviously some discussion within ANET, like, hey, you maybe you should look different, but that's how it got shipped. And we were all excited about spears, but we've got staffs. But I'm excited about beating something up with a stave, so it's not that big a deal. Yeah, I think it, it I think, that it's probably just a new skin or something for a hammer or a staff because I mean I've been I've been wielding my <laughs> scythe staff for ages on my necromancer so they obviously have some skins that sort of bend the convention that could that could stretch into a different weapon type but that type doesn't exist in in Guild Wars so it's like the giant mace that you have for one of the hammers but it's still you know technically a hammer stuff like that yeah yeah exactly so Alas, it's a shame, but it's not its not a huge surprise to me given that they didn't say anything about new weapons just because of the impact. I mean, the, the impact that new weapons have on every profession would be pretty large, so it kind of doesn't surprise me that we don't actually get them because they didn't talk about them, but... And getting um, new weapons for new... or weapons that classes can use that they really could not, that's, that's just a big step right there, and that's pretty cool, so... Right, exactly. Yeah, that's already that's already going to be a huge amount of work for for their design and balancing teams, I think. Yeah. Now, so speaking of which, now again, somewhere in the notes, and I maybe jumping around, um, I was noticing that we uh, they said that the expansion is going to be just PVE. That's not going to hit PvP. So will we not see those new weapon types in uh, PvP areas Whoa, of the game? Where did they? Uh, I got to look at that. Where did they say that? Oh, masteries are PVE exclusive. Masteries are exclusive. Okay. Okay. Not specializations. Not specializations. Okay. Yeah, that would be like not bueno. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's that's good though. And I think, I think that also largely speaks to the type of things that masteries are going to be for anyway. Like they're going to be, I think, tailored to very specific regions or specific activities that you know, are, I mean, aren't really wouldn't really be relevant to player versus player in the first place. But it's also really good to not introduce a sort of grinding for power mechanic in general. So, i.e., hang gliders in Worldly World. Yeah. <laughs> you say what you want. I still want my my special tactics NSP Air Force. They could ha- add them in like Worldly World Mastery. I guess I don't know. I yeah. think if they designed for them, they could do it, but it would go over very poorly on existing maps. I think that's the challenge too. I know that Colin said it somewhere that, you know, that they don't I think it was on the Guild Wars Reporter interview that the hang gliders would just break every single existing map in ways that they're just not prepared to deal with and that they just don't want mm-hmm. to do. 
So, and and I can completely sympathize with that. I mean, I just just imagining i know how much work they have to go through to keep map outs from happening and even then they still happen and then when you include ways to get to places that they never expected you to get to from jumping off of really high places and hang gliding to safety like that's just the <laughs> it's relatively simple to look at where you can jump but it's a lot harder to look at where you can glide from so i guess Invisible we also got walls com- everywhere <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's not very fun either. Um <clears throat> but I guess we got confirmed that R- Lions Arch will in fact be rebuilt at some point, confirmed by Gail Gray on the forums. What are you guys thoughts on that? It's not surprise I think the only thing that's surprising about Lions Arch getting rebuilt is that it hasn't been done yet. That's I guess that's just my Basically. opinion. But I from what they were doing for the longest time, and I mean, they're... I want to be a big fan of Living World Changes, because I think one of the strengths of Season 1 is you saw these areas that you had been deeply familiar with um, change very dra- drastically, and they really got away from that in Season 2. And the it's kind of a mix, because yeah, we didn't want to see all our all the stuff that we love get wrecked, um, and we definitely did want to see new areas, but I do miss that kind of change where you could go through and, you know, maybe take someone who hasn't been playing as long as you and say, hey, I remember back when this was, and that was a really strong experience, that whole I remember when this was whatever. Well, that That's a really cool experience in itself. I think the prob- part of the problem, though, was that with Season 1, most of the stuff did not stay past the patch. Really, the only right. things that have stayed are Kessex Hills and Lion's Arch. And Lion's Arch. So... I remember back when we were doing the podcast back then that I was saying that I really wish we got more of a sense of things having changed. So I do commend them that they have left Lion's Arch ruined for so long and Keswick Hills for that matter. What I would really like to see would be for them to get restored, which would be reasonable in a living, in a true living world situation, but to be changed, to not come back the exact same. So, because we've had a year, you know, we've had a whole year since Mm -hmm. Lion's Arch was destroyed and there's only so long that I feel like you should carry that destruction storyline forward without moving it. And if people haven't played since before Lion's Arch was destroyed and they come in after it's been rebuilt, there's as long as it's rebuilt differently, that'll still give them sort of a wow moment without it having to stay ruined for all time. Yeah, right. but where do you uh, where do you draw that line for what you do and what you don't? Because in some way, being in these other zones is like going back in time. So the game as it is now is you know the road to or storyline in some ways. Whereas if they're going to change, if they're going to fix Kessex Hills, why don't we change what's going on in Northern Gandharan or Hrothi Hinterlands? Is the Centaur War still going? I don't think it is, but you can't just take it out of the game because you know it was what happened if you're following the timeline when Guild Wars Two started. But Kessex Hills was broken by Living Story. So if it was broken by Living Story, and by broken I mean, you know, ruined, and yes. it's still ruined, like, they've already made a change to Kessex Hills. So if you quote-unquote restored it, that would actually be even closer to form for what we had with that Road to Or storyline. But I'm talking mostly things that would be, if you had never played the game, it would still make sense. So if you went to Lion's Arch and you'd never played the game and they like fixed it um in, in our interview this is sort of a side tangent we did a an interview just the other night with a couple of people that went to the actual pax panel 
and Opt, uh, who guessed it on the show before, mentioned that he had an idea that if Lion's Arch were to be rebuilt, that since Lion's Arch had always risen from the ashes of its former self, and through whatever, you know, since it was built from shipwrecks, that if they incorporated pieces of the wreckage of the um, the core drill thing or whatever it is... Uh, <laughs> of Scarlet's um, ship. Yeah, Scarlet's ship, which, like, the pieces are all over the place. So if they incorporated some of those into one or more major buildings as a as a clear, you know, design inclusion, then if you were a new player and you went in... It would just be a city. It would be a city that's made out of all sorts of crazy stuff and ships and drill parts and whatever. But if you saw it before and after, you would say, oh, well, this is different. Something's changed. But that Road to Or storyline would still be preserved in that sense, because even though that's not how it originally was, it still isn't particularly unfitting for Lion's Arch to to be rebuilt differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like that that idea, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really great. I I really hope they they do something like that. I think and and that's exactly the type of thing that I've been talking about. I didn't have a crystallized idea per se of how you would accomplish that, but I think that's a great way to do it. Is to build the city back similar but not the same and incorporate in some changes that show that something has happened. So they can <clears throat> they can destroy the lion or whatever again again and then rebuild it using the drill. <laughs> Stupid fountain has been intact like three months since launch. <laughs> it got annihilated at the first Halloween, and it hasn't recovered since. <laughs> I think it'd be funny if like Mad King Thorn helped rebuild Lion's Arch. That would be pretty funny. Sorry, I knocked over your crap. <laughs> but there's uh, probably too many um, traps that could you just cut you in half, and he'd laugh. Yeah. Uh, kind of on a related side note. This is very much a side note. Um, there's a new dialogue, or a new-ish dialogue. I'm not sure when it showed up in the game, uh, but Magnus and Kiel and Herotron and Evan Nashblade are all up to things again. That is an interesting um, dialogue. It showed up very recently, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. It's above the... I don't, I don't think a lot of people see it, because they don't go to that southern hub, unless you come out of World v. World, because uh, that waypoint is still broken. Um, but it, they're above the bar... Um, the the Lion Guard bar over by the World v. World portals uh, where they've been several times where Kanak was jailed and such. Um, the I really recommend you go listen to yourself to this yourself if you're interested in the lore, but the gist of the conversation is that Keel brings Herotron to Magnus and says, okay, he's going to be your assistant now. Um the 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 seraph are hunting him but he had nothing to do with it um so we're we're putting our foot down as lion's arch and he's ours now um and herotron helps i can't remember exactly what he says but it's something along the lines of he's going to his his new function is going to be helping people get jobs which i thought uh actually brought a really nice character arc circle um from his his humble beginnings as jawatron telling people to get a job now to Herotron helping people get a job. Uh, so That's yeah, what Magnus, I, I think, that. asked him. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, and then um, that's one part of the conversation. And then Herotron leaves, and as he does, uh, Evan Nashblade tries to blackmail him into spying on Magnus and Kiel. So I think that's setting up some really interesting dynamics in the future, probably alongside the rebuilding of Lion's Art. 
which is a total tangent, but that exists, and I'm excited about that. So uh, we got some we got some news about the Revenant. I'm looking. I had a I had a link that I put in that I think maybe got deleted or something. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Did, did anybody read up on that, or should I should I talk about the Revenant this time? Um, uh, you can start. I mean, I read about it, but God knows what is left in my brain. Right. Well, so basically, the idea is that you you pick a legend to channel, and it changes your skills and role. So the examples they gave were that Jalus was very tanky, and Malix was focused on condition damage and remo- removing conditions from allies. So sort of like a necromancer e type thing, necromancer e guardian e thing. Um. And that, and this is the part that that got deleted from somewhere in our show notes. But there was some there was some source where he said that, where he being Colin said that channeling a revenant or a channeling a legend as a revenant changes the back half of your skill bar. From Eurogamer, what's that? From Eurogamer. Ah, oh, yeah, it's yes, from down, Euro. but it's there. there. We have the source if you want to read about it. Oh, there we go. Um, yeah, I just I clearly. I'm confused. Um, but that, uh, yeah, that so sort of sounds like what we were speculating last week, but with a new twist that it it modifies your healing and utility skills. Uh, did they say elite as well? Yes. Yeah. So it changes the entire six through ten on your skill bar when you ch- when you channel a legend, which is interesting. It's like which, the elementalist on uh, on steroids. Which is interesting because it makes you wonder if. Are they still going to have weapon swapping? Because the way it's set up right now, there's two professions with weapon swapping and whatnot in light and medium. And this is the third one for heavy, so it's just like, hmm. That's true, uh, that is some symmetry there. And also, how is that going to work with just the utilities in, in, for themselves? Because does that mean each utility is going to have like three, four, whatever different versions? Or that you can only use certain utilities if you're channeling a certain legend. Well, and also, you know, do you channel... Are you able to switch between legends that you're channeling? And if so, how many at a time? Like, And what is the process for it? It might not just be a, oh, hit this button and change. It might be like, you have to do this cast time or something. Who knows? Yeah, it's... And I think I think as more details get revealed, it'll sort of paint a clearer picture because I can I can see things like weapon swapping and how many you get and all those things all sort of being interrelated, you know. So if mm-hmm. if you can change between a lot of them and they change your back half of your skill bar very much like elementalists, then you know maybe weapon swapping doesn't make sense. But if you can only do it between a couple, maybe it does. Maybe it does. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's um food for thought though it's definitely a new definitely a new kind of mechanic though which i mean you would expect i just want to be able to channel master togo (laughs) zero man zero needs to be the like direct dps one that's all i'm saying i'd be okay with that uh as long as we can have danica for healing no (laughs) this would be damn there you go please no (laughs) bringing it back Oh my gosh! Um, I guess we got confirmation that they will never add more levels and tiers to the game, which is a good thing. Which is a good so, thing. So it won't be tomorrow or the 
day after that will to 90 it will be never yeah i mean i yeah i'm still i'm still a little upset about ascended because i could have sworn that they were said they weren't going to be adding tears of gear before but you know they've they've had some time to mull over that decision so and they can still quote fix it so yeah 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 i'm hopeful that the um i did invest finally I was like, okay, I haven't worked on a Legendary in a while. I haven't done any big spending or anything. I'm just going to save my money until the expansion. And then I was like, I can make an Ascended set. <laughs> so I did in the span of an afternoon because I'm crazy. Uh, so now I have an Ascended set. And I feel like I'm going to regret that because I, I was also placing my bets that in the quote-unquote challenging content, since we won't say the R word, um... Ascended gear will be a lot more accessible for people who don't want to craft it. That's my hope. That's my my bet. Yeah. We'll have to see on that. Uh, I finished... I don't remember if I'd finished my Luminescent set by last podcast, but I finished it. Um, and I, I thought that was a really great... I really hope that they open up more things like that for attaining Ascended gear, because that is... That was a much more interesting and involved and fun process of getting a piece of Ascended gear for me than paying hundreds and hundreds of gold for it. So, you know. I I would be more interested in the Luminescence set if A, it wasn't a butt cape, and B, it gave an entire armor set. An entire armor set of Ascended? Yeah. I feel like it's probably too easy for that. I mean, it only took me like a week of playing Evenings. I, don't know. I feel like that's a good time frame. That's a good time frame, but as hard as it is to craft it, um, no one would craft it anymore if it was that easy. Which they've got Not a bad. Even though I don't like, one. Uh, even though I don't like how long it takes to craft, that throws off their uh, their system because they actually it seems like they intend for it to take a while. So if you could do a whole set in a week, it just would ruin their what they've already have laid out. And I mean, when I say a week, I really mean. AFKing in Silver Waste for an hour until the Vine Wrath pops, oh, and then doing the Vine Wrath for three hours. <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> I only have so much time, and I definitely don't have time to actually be playing for three hours straight every night. I'm keeping the zone warm for people. <laughs> so you're you're the reason why when the map is full, we can't take blue. No, when the map starts filling up, I join it about three quarters. When the map actually starts filling up, I've, I've been wondering why we can't hold up four bases. I'm also the reason for that because if I'm in there, I'm just doing story. I'm ignoring everything else. Well, to, I mean, to speak on that, the ir- like the frustrating slash irritating part is that there are enough instances of the silver waste that basically any time you join in the silver waste blind, I almost every single time have joined and it's always been during the 10 minute cooldown where you can't do anything so basically fighting for an hour doing nothing just waiting for the silver waste is not or for the vine wrath is not engaging to me anymore i did it for a long time i mean for the first for the first week or so that i did it i did a lot of events a lot but it just you know at a certain point it's just not I, I don't have three hours to actually be actively playing the game every night, but I do need to do, you know, several Vine Wraths a night, and since there is no districting system, and since it is hard to guest into those servers a lot of the time, like, that's just that's just the reality of the situation that they've created. 
Well, I think you can you can taxi in. You don't have to uh, you don't have to take a spot for someone because I'll do the same thing where I'll taxi in, but I don't like to AFK in a uh, silver waist because then someone who's trying to taxi in might not be able to get a zone. So that's just my my feeling. But people don't taxi in until the zone is getting actually almost ready. Like people don't taxi into an empty silver waist. Yeah, so if you are AFKing, you are holding a spot for someone that might be trying to get in. But they're not trying to get in while I'm AFKing, is what I'm saying. Like, oh. I start playing in the last part of the events. Like, when when people actually start taking camps, like, when it gets to half or three quarters and people actually start taxiing in, like, when you see map chats saying to start taxiing people, I'll start playing then, like, when, when we're actually doing it. But, you know, like, when the zone's empty, like, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But anyway, that's that's anyway. that's a whole side that's a whole it side is. topic. I'm a filthy I'm a filthy AFKer, I guess. Um, oh, let's see. We already talked somewhat about the Zam article. Uh, I um, I feel like there was something I did want to talk about in the Zam article, but I'm not remembering. Oh, one thing we didn't mention was the. So there was a little bit of clarification on precursors. Uh, with the new collections, we were curious if the precursors would still be obtainable through other means, such as drops in the Mystic Forge where they are currently acquired. The original precursors will definitely remain available through those means, but the new precursors will be different and revealed when they are ready to roll out the new legendary weapons. Um, which I think isn't not too big a deal, because I think we kind of expected that. But um, yeah, just some just some clarification that new legendaries are not going to be exactly the same as old legendaries. Yeah, I'm really curious to see whether they're going to still use the gifts of master, yeah, the gifts of mastery and the gifts of fortune. I always want to call them wealth because that's what it really is, but gift of fortune and gift of mastery um and the same ideas of the gifts of metal and all those all those jazz. I'm really curious to see if new legendaries are going to use that type of a recipe, even if the precursors may be attained differently. Um I think it would be kind of I think a lot of people might be sort of doing what we're doing in Twit Guild, which is sort of pre pre gathering stuff for legendaries, and it could be kind of frustrating if they I, actually don't like none of that works at all. I really hope that legendaries are just completely new. Like it's the process that is just Completely new to the game. We'll have to get really together new like tier six mats that way. are. Uh, mm-hmm. Do we have to gather tier six mats that are exclusive to um, expansion maps? No, 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 no. I mean, like not dealing with crafting mats at all is what I hope for. Because I really don't like the way you get legendaries now. Like I really don't. Yeah, secretly, my well, not so secretly, I guess, since I'm saying it on the podcast. Um, my hope is that they will the entire process will be account bound this time and that we won't see them being sold on the the trading post mhm yeah well it, you know with with the talk of of having the new precursors be obtained in a different manner it would not surprise me if the new legendaries are account bound i think that they're probably regretting that decision of being able to buy and sell them on the trading post um and as well the same with well, it, it's such a mixed bag with the current precursors because it's so frustrating trying to Mystic Forge them that 
being able to buy them is kind of a solace for people like me who have terrible RNG, but at the same time, it also takes out some of that, like, mystique factor, if you will. So, yeah, I... Yeah, we'll we'll just have to see. I just I really do hope that if they completely scrapped the legendary building process for the new legendaries that they say something sooner rather than later, even if they don't say what you have to do because I don't know. I just I with the amount of time and investment that it takes to to build a legendary, I think it would really be lame if people basically threw away materials like at least on those two that are common to every legendary. Mhm. But We'll see. I don't even think they know, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> um, I hope they know. That way we can get a uh, release date sometime soon. Actually, no, that's actually a really good segue. Because uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about is uh, all the, kind of in general, not from a specific article, the things they've been saying about um, the beta period. Um, and all the all the things are saying soon, soon, soon. Um, PAX East in four weeks, five weeks, four weeks, something like that. I don't know. Uh, that's how it's the playable demo. And then very soon after that will be beta. And then their their timeline that they've been saying is we're going to release the beta. And then a lot of, I guess, yeah, I guess a lot of different types of content, especially World v. World and PvP, whenever they talk about it, about those, it seems like they're going to be basing a lot of that that sort of thing off player feedback, uh, which I think is really good. And there's actually another thing that I've noticed as a trend throughout all of the articles when they talk about betas, it's always open beta, uh, which is really interesting to me. I hope that serves more like a, a public test realm, I guess. And I yeah, I think the game could have benefited from that a long time ago. And I hope yeah, it works out for them this time. Yeah. Uh, we got some news that World v. World is getting a new Borderland and that it is confirmed that Eternal Battlegrounds will not be getting a new map. The new Borderlands will not replace the old Borderlands, but will be put into a rotation where both will be played. Uh, they asked if the rotation was going to mean all three Borderlands would be the same map or if they would possibly be a mixture for the two, and the answer is they don't know exactly uh, how they are going to rotate just yet. Any of you guys world view world enough to have significant opinions on that? From just a general PvP standpoint, depending on how those maps turn out, I'd be really surprised if there's different ones. Because that could potentially meet, give like balance issues between teams. That's the biggest worry, is if they <laughs> mm-hmm. aren't. Yeah. yeah, I tend to agree with that. But I think any change to spice up world view world is interesting. I am um, world view world with uh, general strike when I've got time, um, and it's a lot of fun. But, I mean, it seems like Guild Wars has been out for going on three years now, and it seems a little bit stagnant, and I know uh, the Borderlands didn't add much last time. I mean, no one, no one wants to go... I'm sorry, Borderlands. Uh, Edge of the Mist, that's Borderlands, right? Edge yeah. of the Mist is sort of like its own thing. It's, yeah. it's the thing where you don't have to queue for and doesn't have yeah, hardcore teams. Edge of the Mist didn't really add anything for the hardcore... Uh, worldview world people that at least the ones that i've been playing with so i hope that this will add something to it they added a new dedicated champ train that didn't take up space in the open world yeah (laughs) that's basically what what they added yeah um also stronghold has been tested from 
everywhere from 1v1 to 10v10, but is primarily a 5v5. Numbers will be coming from player feedback and testing. Uh, See, I think it's that, good that actually surprises me because I was expecting it to be 10v10. Yeah, I think I was expecting a larger number size too. Just because G- GVG was larger numbers. Well, yeah. that and in the trailer or whatever, that map is huge. Did we actually see it in the trailer? Yeah, I can only assume that, we saw it. Um, we're, we're almost 100% sure it is because we've got some concept art of it too, and it's got this. Uh, the main feature is this kind of huge cliff with the flags hanging off of it, and then um, almost like a town square. It really reminds me of like Ascalon Settlement or something, just plunked under a giant cliff. And all of the all of the people are fighting in the town square, and I can't can't remember how many people are actually in the in the trailer, but it's a significant number. Hmm. That's interesting. I had not picked up on that. I am not super, in case anybody couldn't tell, I am not super up on the PvP in this game, so I usually hand those questions off, so that totally flew past my head that we'd even seen a hint of that in the trailer, so that's that's great that you people have stuff to speculate about. You're too uh, busy AFKing and Silver Waste. So you're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> ooh, sick burns. Oh my god, my cat is freaking out right behind me. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, the release time frame, like you said, the demo in six weeks or five weeks or whatever, and then a short break before beta testing, and then from there, player feedback will determine a timeline. That's really... That's really... I mean, I think that's really good. I think it's great to get it in players' hands as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. How long did we have to wait, does anyone remember, before uh, demos at PAX or Gamescom for Guild Wars to be released? Uh, at least yes. a year. Yeah. So it, I hope that it's not that same that same timeline. But uh, if they're going to use the player feedback, it's like Spirit was saying with the open beta. I mean, you know, it, it looks good. It sounds good, and I hope that you know they've learned that they can use that, and we will you know get it going faster than last time. I, don't... I definitely think it will be a lot faster. They, I think they've held off really um, until kind of everything was as ready as they wanted it to be without player feedback and now they're ready to accept player feedback and once they go through that that last iteration of adding player feedback i don't think it'll be that long yeah i agree with spirit i think that there's no way it can take as long as we had in guild wars 2's initial release date between beta and release just from this well from from a lot of standpoints but I think that they were sort of getting desperate with Guild Wars 2's initial launch that people were really starting to to wane and you know it, it was it was hard the community was in a really hard place and I think they demoed us as much as they could but that Guild Wars 2 itself is such a large game that they still had a lot of stuff that I mean we'll we'll never know how much stuff they had done during the times of those initial demos but I would have to wager that it was not anywhere near you know, anywhere near a feature complete game at that point, whereas this expansion is going to be adding a lot of things, but I mean it can't, there's no way that this expansion is going to be adding an entire Guild Wars 2's worth of content, so subsequently I would imagine that the beta to release period would have to be shorter than (laughs) shorter than a time frame of greater than one year, if that makes sense so, we can hope anyway as long as there aren't any big changes, because I do remember at one of the, uh, it was the Gamescom one, where, the Gamescom preview, where you could play the game, and there was actually, you know, skill points, and you could move your, your. it was like, I don't know if Zerker was even in the game, but your uh, 
your power and stuff, you could move it up and down from leveling. It was much different. And that got completely overhauled. I think it's part of the reason it took so long. And it's as long as they don't decide they need to do another overhaul, I think we'll be good. And back when there was mana? Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't energy. mana. It was... I don't yeah, even think there was energy, but literally, because I was fighting to Quaddle, and that was their demo. And I gained two levels for killing to Quaddle. And then I was going in and messing with actually my stats that you see on the right there that is, you know, totally dictated by your armor and your trinkets. Leveling allowed you to put points into that in that iteration of the game. Yeah. Well, no, but there was also the mana slash energy where your skills had to use those and so did dodging. And then they had a potion system in the game. I think this was post that and I could just just had a dodge bar energy. Didn't have any uh, just cooldowns. Yeah, yeah. When I played Guild Wars 2 for the first time at PAX East with the Shatterer, it's, it's actually when they introduced the Thief, um, they still had energy, and I hated that system. Yeah, it was, yeah. And and also, even to take it further back, initially, they had a much more classical D&D-style system of attributes where there were multiple, like, d- um, strength and dexterity for buffing different types of attacks so if you're doing ranged attacks you need to buff dexterity but if you're doing melee attacks you need to buff strength so if you wanted to build a mix build of strength and or of, of ranged and melee you'd have to buff both offensive stats to be equally good at both of them and then you'd be yeah i, I was not a fan not a fan of that so, yeah, it's true. You're right. I mean, all of this is obviously going to be pending on if they find something that just isn't working and they need to take it back to the drawing board. So that's always something to consider. That's a very, very good point. Oh, one more thing. Sorry, there's just a, so many tiny tidbits in all of these articles that I've forgotten about and I'm now, like, reading again. Uh, guild halls will will be located on the world map but they are instances that your guild owns. Uh, players enter them through other maps in the world, and this is how you discover them. And then they plan to, to ground the story of guild halls and their experience inside the story of the jungle, uh, which is really exciting to me. I'm really excited about what they're doing with pushing guild halls to have their own kind of story. Um, I'm kind of a little bit worried that if there's multiple multiple kind of stories associated with guild halls that you'll miss out on some of them maybe uh if you're only with one guild okay um this is where my speculation comes in okay and you know the bit in the trailer where there's like the group of people going to see the mersad uh-huh there are things that hall. might be mersad they're mersad <laughs> um, uh, they look more like uh um constructs to me but anyway what constructs yeah, I think that they are actually uh, um, something we're not left behind, kind of like the Azura have golems, um, but they may be some sort of AI. Okay. Um, anywho, <laughs> I think that that is possibly tied to the guild halls. Okay. It would make sense with the way the Mursat are hiding like cities of gold and shit. So. I will take a solid gold rich or uh, guild hall. Your guild hall smells of rich mahogany and mine is solid gold, so Yeah, I dig it. Yeah, I'm really I'm really interested to see how much variety we have uh in guild halls. I think that that might speak towards a little bit less variety than some of us may have been hoping for, if they're actually based on zones in or near the jungle. 
Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm just excited about a, a guild hall experience. I think that has the potential to be cool, as opposed to like, hey, look, this is a house. You can sell things here. Oh, and one other, I, my brain is so broken. I'm sorry. One other thing about guild halls. <laughs> Uh, Colin says to you'll have to wait and find out about having multiple guild hall locations, which is interesting to me, uh, just because maybe that's a way to experience the story of multiple guild halls if there's stories attached to them. But I can't, I almost can't understand the need for multiple guild halls unless like you actually have to physically go to them, and maybe they're somehow connected. I mean, like, maybe just for go- fun. Like Yeah, I guess. Why not? I mean, it'd be kind of fun to have a whole bunch of different guild halls that you could, um, you know, that you could work on building out in different ways or whatever, just for, I mean, you know, why not? It's like yeah, having I guess, alts. I just, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> poor, the poor Relics Guild. If, if having guild halls is like alts, I, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it's going to be a little, it's going to be an interesting ride when the expansion comes out for you guys. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know, just from a, a a guild leader sort of standpoint uh and traditional functionality, which by the way, I'm all for breaking away from tr- traditional functionality. If Anet wants to do something else with the guilds, okay, I'm a little bit hesitant. I'm not I'm not 100% sold on the multi-guild system, but that's a that's a different tangent. Um I would hope that all of the if you had multiple guild hall locations that they would be somehow connected because I can just imagine like having three or four guild halls and say, oh, we're meeting up in the guild hall for guild missions and everyone goes to a different guild hall and then I spend the next half an hour rounding everyone up. I mean, presumably you'd come up with some sort of acronym system like there is in World v. World where people, you know, call each of the different castles or keeps or whatever by different acronyms. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, you'd just say, you know, Meet in, you know, uh, the equivalent of the racial cities, you know, like meet in DR, meet in LA, meet in whatever. Yep. Also, I'll maybe they're connected that. by surrogates, so not directly connected, but connected from each other, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah I was really I'm, hoping that, that guild halls would be sort of like going to the heart of the mist or whatever, where you can go there and then you can choose to leave and it'll put you right back in the open world where you were. Oh, yeah. But, Edge of the Mists. Or, yeah. It's it's funny, That's it's not true. just you, Colin even made that mistake uh, when he was talking to Guild Wars reporter, I believe. <laughs> he was, I don't, I think, I think Celeste said it first, but Heart, Heart of the Mists is so, such an easy slip of the tongue to make, and even Colin was calling it Heart of the Mists for, for a couple minutes there, and then he went, Heart, wait, no, Edge of the Mists, right. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you can't. All these hearts of an H-O-T, all these H of the acronyms and friggin gaming all over the place makes it too too easy to slip on those also old code names <laughs> oh that's right i forgot all about that yeah speaking of heart of thorns just a casual reminder please uh, i'm sure anet said this too don't submit tickets to customer support about heart of thorns and do not send private messages to arena net team or staff members about the expansion don't be that guy or that lady. Just just don't. Don't do it. 
And if you see a guy, an anet person helping you kill Vinethorn, just let them help you kill Vinethorn. Don't don't badger them with questions about the expansion. There, are, well, servers aren't really a thing anymore, but there were a lot of anet employees on Northern Shiver Peaks. There were at launch, yeah, but I think I don't know. We've seen Gale Gray twice in Lion's Arch in the last like week. I want to say, or at least I've heard my guildmates freak out like, "Ah, oh, it's Gale Gray." But yeah, I don't know. I just feel, yeah, the arena net presence has been there lately. So are we ready to move into our final segment of the evening? I think so. I'll probably remember something else halfway through it. Take it away. Hello and welcome to CastCast, the podcast within the podcast, but the cast of other podcasts and style of cast of other podcasts this week on CastCast. I finished it. Um, I want to actually, I wanted to share some, some community resources. These are going to be things that um, veteran players probably all know about. Um, but I did want to share some new or some community resources for new players because I know there's a lot of them in the game, and hopefully some of you are here just joining us now. Uh, so first off, uh, if you want to know anything about anything, seriously, just type slash wiki into the game and then the name of whatever you want to know about, and it brings up a wiki page. It is so handy and so useful, and you won't feel like you're badgering other people with questions because you can find out all the answers by yourself. Uh, In the event that you cannot figure something out, or you want a guide on how to do achievements and like, I highly recommend Dolphy. Oh god, is it .net or .com? Net. It's net. Okay, Dolphy.net. Very timely very detailed, very well-documented and organized guides on how to do just about everything. For reference, that's, for reference, that's D-U-L-F-Y dot net. Yes. And of course, uh, I always put links in the show notes. I would never leave you guys without links. So all of the all of the stuff that we talk about will be here, along with the giant list of links from we drew the articles from this week. And one good thing uh, to know about Delphi, though, if you want to find something on it, the best way I found it is put in a Google search Delphi and then the thing you want to find. Because if it was a couple months back, it's hard digging through and there's not a good search um, feature on the site. Yep, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yep. Um, this isn't an official or lasting resource, but there somebody put together a really helpful dungeon primer on um, on the Reddit because it's a lot of people... Because dungeons start at 30 slash 35, and there's a lot of nuances with Guild Wars dungeons that aren't necessarily present in other games, it's a really good read for why you should get involved with dungeons earlier, why you shouldn't, if that's not for you. But it will help you make those kind of decisions. And um, it also has a really helpful list of all the kind of acronyms that are used for the dungeon running crowd, so... Whether it's your your first MMO or your first dive into Guild Wars, that's a, a very helpful resource. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about um, that has saved me a million times in the past is GW2Crafts.net, which is a crafting guide that um, essentially it takes trading post prices, gives you the cheapest possible way to max out your crafting skill, and then shows you handily a shopping list and all of the prices. Now, I don't I don't want to recommend this to new players necessarily. I highly highly recommend that you actually take a look at the the crafting how crafting works before you start using it 
but once you have a basic understanding of the crafting system and how to discover an item and just generally how it works then it's a really good resource to go to but if you go to it immediately um you might be a little bit confused but on the other hand there are a lot of people go ahead Evie. didn't richie procopio make really good crafting guides like back at launch maybe but i feel like those are still relevant are they yeah because crafting hasn't changed that much like the basics of it all right well i will have to look into that then I know that some of the newer crafting guides will include uh, ways to level up the cheapest and things like that, and will use actual APIs and such to come up with the cheapest set of gear to do that with, but mm-hmm. right. I don't know if this specific one does. I haven't looked at that one yet. Um, yeah, so it's it's definitely a resource to come back to, and if you're a veteran player, I, I seriously have done cooking on almost every character because it's such a cheap way to get seven levels um and of course for for people who do want to blitz to 80 i don't recommend it but i know that there are people who do like grind do like blitzing to 80 whatever be you i don't care do you you do you um but those are my my four resources for new players does anyone else have anything that they think new players need to know about click on the uh icon in the top right of your inventory and click deposit all materials that is all. <laughs> oh my god. And then go back to it and click compact. Oh, man. I actually don't uh, like using compact because I, I like to sort of sort either. my bags and it doesn't well, respect I, that very well. But in that I'm same menu, there's... The, go ahead. I'm a big fan of the um, the different kinds of bags. So you, you might not know this. There's um, your standard inventory bags, but there's also invisible ones, strong boxes, oiled bags, and there may even be another type. Um, but they each have a different kind of effect. So your strong boxes will will accept armor and weapons before anything else. Invisible ones won't show up at a merchant, and they can't be moved. So if you compact your inventory, they'll stay in one place. And then the oiled ones um, take all of your junk items. And then there's so a crafting usually... bag that'll take your crafting materials. Yeah. Okay. So that was yeah. There is another one. So I I usually put an invisible bag at the top. And then all my normal ones in the middle and an oiled bag at the bottom, so all my junk gets filtered down there. That's how I like to organize it. But yeah, that is a good way a I like that. Of, yeah. I really do like the inventory system in this game. What were you gonna say, Robin? Also on that same spot where you can hit the gear and hit compact, I think you can turn on the rarity indicator. So that way you can see your greens and blues without having to mouse over them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, and you can also turn off I think I don't know if this is enabled by default on new accounts, but when they um they introduced that glow when you get a new item. It's too glowy, and I can't actually see the item, so you can turn that off there. Oh, I, I love that feature, though. It helps me because I usually have a lot of stuff in my inventory that doesn't ever leave it or that I'm stockpiling. So when I mm-hmm. go in to go salvage something new or something like that, that's pretty helpful for me. Also, you can search your inventory and also your bank, for that matter. There's a little text bar at the top of those respective menus, and you can just start typing, and it will immediately filter down to only show you ones that contain the letters that you have typed, which is really nice when you're looking for something that you know the name of. Yes. I've also... uh, Alona from Gilder's Reporter pointed out to me that if you type rare into that bar... Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got a like a mystic salvage kit and then all of your rares will be right there easy for you to salvage and you don't have to pick through your inventory to find them 
Yep, I use that all the time. All the time. Yeah, super useful. Um, so the last thing I'd like to say to new players, if you're listening, if you know you do want to nag someone and you want to ask questions, just join the guild. Um, the Relics of War Guild. We're always, you know, happy to play with you guys and answer questions and you know do dungeons. Our spirit and I love to do dungeons with people and teach yeah. dungeons. Um, so yeah, you can whisper me, Evie, or Kate, and get in the guild. Um, the more the merrier. Indeed. Um, a few other things in Cast Cast that we've got. Somebody made a Mystic Forge simulator, and ever since uh, Kate started Cast Cast, I've been throwing junk into it. Um, it tells you how much money you've wasted if you were buying them at a given value <laughs> on the site. I have currently burned 254 gold worth of exotics if they were worth 2 gold at the time of purchasing, and I was throwing back subsequent exotics that you get out of it. So if you ever want to be discouraged from Mystic Forging, <laughs> go to this app. I seriously, I, uh, somebody posted on Reddit yesterday, and they must have added the gold thing, because I don't know how much I've spent, but I, I've seriously been playing this stupid thing since yesterday morning, or whenever I found it, for a good long period of time, and I haven't won a single precursor. <laughs> it's kind of driving me up a wall, like I have to play it until I get one. Oh, Kate, you get to have to, you get to have empathy with me of what oh, it's no, really no, like. No, it's really good because I have this. This is gonna be so first worldly problem, but I, it's that that feeling you get where like, oh, I've done this once, so it's super easy to get a precursor. So I can just throw stuff in. I've probably wasted a hundred gold in the last week just throwing random crap in. Like, That's oh yeah, cute. I can totally get a precursor. So. <laughs> This is good. This is stopping me from wasting all my money in the Mystic Ford. Yeah, I usually threw in 100 gold a time, like, per session. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had 100 gold to throw in. I don't go for a Legendary, so I don't have any of these problems. Yeah, well, I'm not going to anymore either, because now we have collections. Uh, what was this one about Citizens of Tyrion? Uh, so there's a project going on i accidentally just closed my tab so i couldn't tell you who's running it um but it's an effort to replicate sort of the this the humans of new york type deal which is kind of a it's a photography project where the photographer goes around new york meets a person takes a picture of them and then attaches kind of a a short quote or a meaningful quote from a short interview with them and then it's it's become kind of big on the internet but anyway, this this person is uh, going to reach out to people of Tyria and ask them about their their interesting game lives and guilds and that sort of thing, which is I think has the potential to be really interesting, at least in my experience. Um, the people I've met through Guild Wars have always been very interesting, and yeah, I just kind of be interested to see other people that I might not have met. Um, so yeah, link in the show notes. I can't get you the name of the person you're supposed to whisper, but you send them a mail and then they'll, they'll set up a time to interview you. And I think the last thing to mention in the community news section is that unfortunately AOL has retired the joystick domain as it were, which means that massively some of our favorite MMO reporting, uh, cohorts are all out of jobs now so massively's gone and that is a massive bummer so follow your favorite 
authors if you read massively, and hopefully you all do well. Best of luck, Dylan. Yep. So, I guess that's another week of Relics of War. Uh, we should be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. That was another episode of Relics of War. If you'd like to get involved, you can find us on any social networking site such as Facebook, Twitter, Steam, and many more just by looking up Relics of War. That's Relics of O-R-R. Similarly, if you'd like to send us mail, you can send that to relicsofor at gmail.com or go to our website, relicsofor.com, where you can record right there on the front page using our WordPress widget to put on a headset and give us your feedback. Or if you feel more comfortable with it, you can go ahead and just record the audio and send it to us as an OGG or an MP3 file. If you'd like to join us in-game, send a whisper to Cole, C-O-E-H-L, and Nexi, A-N-E-K-S-I, C-Squirrel-Run, that's a C, and then Squirrel, and then Run, or Spirit Face to get in contact with us or join the guild. Last, we always love the comments, so if you want to go to our main site and start commenting on some of the posts that we've got or join our forums, you can have fun with that. If you listen to us on iTunes, you can find our page on the market and just leave a comment or a rating that you feel that we deserve. We appreciate that. We'll read them on the show.